Hi again, everybody, boys and girls, moms and dads. We're here for episode 83 of The Chatter. Special guest, Augustine Payne from Dubuque County Right to Life. Hey, thanks for having me on again. And and the uh, pro-life doctor, Dr. Bill Lyle. And we're going to meet him in just a minute after we begin. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gustin, thanks for filling in. Uh, Colleen always fills in my uh, breaths, but uh, yeah. <laughs> she's running late today. So I hope I can live up to the call. <laughs> Taking care of a baby, I understand. Anyway, let's go over what the big things. We've just turned the uh, calendar. We're in the second quarter, recording on Monday, April 3rd, with episode 83, Augustine. And you got to be getting pretty excited. We're... we're uh, Friday 21, Friday, April 21, is your big event down at the Grand River Center. How's everything coming? Uh, pretty good. We're definitely in the final countdown down to the big event. We normally have over 500 people there. so mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking forward to this year's Life Dinner speaker, Dr. Bill Lyle, and um, what he's going to bring. He will be doing, um, prior to the dinner, he'll be doing an event for medical professionals mm-hmm. um, where they can come and learn about abortion pill reversal. Um, so really? Where's that going to go on? It'll be at the Grand River Center. So um, any medical professional or anybody that with medical expertise who'd like to be interested in learning more about this and possibly serving the people of Dubuque with this awesome initiative, um, if they would like to they contact us at Dubuque County Right to Life at 563-556-5960. So is that earlier in the day on Friday the 21st at the Grand River Center? Is that the idea? Yeah, so it's 4.30 at the Grand River Center. Wow. Um, and then we'll go right into social hour at 5 o'clock. And then uh, there'll be dinner, nice dinner. And then uh, a, pre- a program with myself and Dr. Lyle speaking at. So we're looking forward to it. And I don't know how you pulled it off, but we've got him right here in the studio by way of our Comrex link. Say hello to all of Dubuque land, Dr. Lyle. Well, good evening, Dubuque. We are going to talk about how we treat the preborn as patients and how it is our mission and it is a spiritual battle. And we're going to give you the medical tools and the scriptural tools that we can use to defend God's preborn in the womb. So let's talk about that. Uh, as we were reviewing what we might talk today, Doctor, you brought up two or three concepts that I think are deserving of definition. You, you talked about the difference between the unborn, the preborn, and patients' rights for little ones in each of those categories. What do you mean? Oh, absolutely. What do you mean by the unborn versus the preborn? Well, there's really a huge difference between the two, and words matter. And so we're really trying to get people to use terminology that really applies more to the baby in the womb. Before, as an example, before you send your child to school, you don't send them to unschool, you send them to preschool. Because the normal expectation is that once they go to preschool, that they're going to go to school. 
you before you're watching the final four you don't watch the ungame show you watch the pregame show because the normal expectation is then you are going to have the game the same is true with the babies in the womb we don't use the term unborn because it doesn't give any indication that the baby is going to be born mm -hmm. so we use the term pre-born because when we refer to this baby in the womb being pre-born the normal expectation is that they're going to be born and it's not that they're not a person yet they are a person in the womb they're a person outside the womb we're just changing an address and we treat them as patients outside the womb but it's amazing the many ways that we are treating them as patients while they are still inside of the womb as well. Sure, good, uh, good concepts there. We wouldn't go to the un-game or the uh, uh, we go to the pre-game doing that. Correct. Yeah. So I just have a question, Dr. Lyle. Sure. Um, on that note, what about um, we have? We're we're looking at doing uh, adding on to our memorial, and typically it's been the memorial for the unborn because of these are um, babies who either have died through abortion or miscarriage or stillbirth. So would you still call it, I guess, preborn because they never fulfilled, they never, the expectation is that they would be born, right? Um, well, that would be a different category. That yeah. would be somebody who was never given the opportunity. When we're referring to the preborn, these are the babies that are in the womb. Sure. The babies that you're talking about are created in the image of God. They were just never given that opportunity to be born. So when we're talking about defending the preborn, we want to reuse the term preborn, not unborn. But when it's a memorial to the babies that were denied the opportunity to be born, then the term unborn would be okay to use. Okay, thanks. Good difference, good distinction, doctor. Thank you. Talk about patients' rights. And sure. we, we often don't think of little ones as having patients' rights, but you had some interesting comments the other day. Well, I was just speaking in Tallahassee, Florida last week. We were addressing members of the House, members of the Senate. We are almost positive that we are going to be able to have a bill go to Governor Ron DeSantis's desk about protecting the pre-born. How we, two years ago, we had a gestational age cap of 24 weeks, dropped that down to 15 weeks, and now it looks like we're gonna have a heartbeat law here in Florida soon. But the reason that we use the term patient's rights is that if you were to ask a medical student or anybody else, couple of questions and these are tools that we are going to teach when we are there later in the month and the first question to ask somebody is if I have a patient that is in my office that needs a blood transfusion but the patient was not born in the United States is there still a legal and moral obligation for me to provide them with a life-saving blood transfusion even though they weren't born in the United States or say it was laser vascular surgery to save their life, but again, they weren't born in the United States. Mm -hmm. Or even to go to another level, what if this is somebody who needs open heart surgery? And if they don't get open heart surgery in the next week or two, they will die. But again, this patient was not born in the United States. Well, the majority of people are going to assume you're talking about somebody that was born in another country and is now living here. But what I then speak to the medical students is that, well, details matter. And when I said they were not born in the United States, they were not born in the United States yet. 
And then we went into the details as far as, yes, these are patients, and a patient is a person, no matter how small. And then we actually, and we will show this when we are back out in Iowa in a couple of weeks, the amazing advances in treating babies in the womb as patients. And yes, we are doing blood transfusions directly into the baby's circulation, and we're doing this at my hospital as early as 18 weeks gestation. Well, if they are getting a blood transfusion, then they are a patient, and if they're a patient, they're a person. Well, why would you give a baby a blood transfusion? Because from the moment of conception, the baby is genetically unique from the mom, genetically unique from the dad, and a lot of times the baby even has a different blood type from the mom. Well, moms can actually send antibodies over through the umbilical cord and start to attack the baby's blood. And the baby's blood count will start to drop. And really? if we don't do something, the baby will go into heart failure and die. So how do we get the baby's blood count to go up? We give them a blood transfusion, just like if you had a bad laceration or in an accident and you needed blood, we will take a syringe of blood, which was donated by somebody with O negative blood. doesn't matter if it was one blood, American Red Cross, mm -hmm. we will use that blood. We guide a needle with ultrasound through the skin of the mom, through the wall of the uterus, directly into the umbilical vein and the umbilical cord and we give that baby a life-saving blood transfusion. And sometimes they have to do this every three or four weeks because the mom's antibodies will continue to attack the baby's blood. But we're also doing laser surgery. In fact, we just last year sent a, a, a patient of ours that was pregnant with identical twin boys down to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. Why did they need laser surgery? Well, they were identical twins, one egg, one sperm, but then before day 13, they divided into two identical copies. But when they divided, they each had their own sack, but they were sharing a placenta. Well, just like a lot of kids, they were not sharing nicely. They were not sharing. <laughs> and so one baby was getting the vast majority of the nutrition, and the other baby was kind of getting the leftovers. It, Remember the movie Twins with Schwarzenegger and DeVito? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. You see this one real big baby with lots of fluid and this little runty baby. Well, if we don't teach them how to share in the womb, the little baby will die, and then when the little baby dies, the big baby will die. So we send them down to Texas Children's and actually teach them how to share. How do you teach babies in the womb to share? Well, you go in with a, a fetoscope, a scope into the womb, but you have a laser beam with you. And when you take that laser, you kind of pretend you're Dr. Luke Skywalker, and you take that laser and you divide the placenta in two, where you are saying, this is your side of the placenta, this is your side of the placenta, now you two play nice. We will send them down, they'll do this laser surgery, they will send them back a couple days later now, and then by the time we deliver them, they might be 70, 30, 80, 20, but they are teaching them how to share and save their lives. But the most amazing procedure that's happened in the past year is what was done up at the Cleveland Clinic. They diagnosed a, a baby with a teratoma of the heart. This is a rapidly growing tumor that is right in the heart itself. And this baby's tumor was about half the size of the baby's heart. And if we didn't do something, the baby was going to die. So they gave the parents two options. First. There was no option as far as just continuing the pregnancy because the baby would die. Option number one 
was we're going to deliver your baby at 27 weeks and then we'll do open heart surgery. But now you have a 27 weeker that has just had open heart surgery and there's a lot of risk involved. They said, we have another option. Option number two is what we'd like to do is mom, we'd like to give you an epidural so that you are comfortable. We'd like to make an incision in your belly, make an incision in the womb. Then we're going to bring out the baby's right arm and we're going to bring out the baby's left arm and we plan on doing the open heart surgery while the baby is still inside of your womb. Of course their jaws drop and they said and we're going to do one other thing. We're going to have a pediatric anesthesiologist separate from mom's anesthesiologist. We're going to have a pediatric anesthesiologist that once they have access to the baby's arm then they're going to start an IV in the baby's arm. The baby's going to get IV fluids but then the baby's also going to get fentanyl for pain and a, and a medication called norcurine, which will paralyze the baby. So your baby will be comfortable, but your baby's also not going to move around. Once we have the baby comfortable, our pediatric cardiologist is going to make an incision in the baby's chest. They're going to remove this tumor from the baby's heart. Then they're going to close the baby's chest again, and then they're going to remove the IV, put the arms back in, and then they're going to stitch up the womb and we're going to stitch up the skin and we want to see how long we can get. They did this amazing surgery with a team of 12 doctors, nurses, and techs. They were successful and then they delivered the baby 10 weeks later. So the surgery, open heart surgery with your own anesthesiologist for the baby was done at 27 weeks and almost 60 seconds after they did the surgery, the baby's heart started to pump normally the baby was stable and they delivered the baby 10 weeks later. So if you can do blood transfusions, if you can do laser vascular surgery, and if you can do open heart surgery on a baby, then clearly they are patients. And a patient is a person, no matter how small, and all persons are deserving of our protection and we need to defend them. Wow. That, that deserves a wow, Augustine. Who yeah. is, doctor, I got to ask you, who is coming up with these, I'm going to say it out loud, crazy ideas? Who's, who's saying we're going to do Luke Skywalker on the placenta here? I mean, th this is, somebody's got to have some kind of an aha moment that says, we're going to try this. What, I mean, what's the well, backstory there? Well, first of all, one of the advances is in technology. A lot of these things would not be possible, just like, us doing an interview over the internet would not have been possible 20 years ago. So with technology now, it's amazing what we can do. I mean, 30 years ago, if you needed to have your gallbladder removed, you had an incision that went from your xiphoid process and was maybe a foot long. They almost cut you in half. They took your gallbladder out and you were in the hospital for a week, 10 days. Now, if you need to have your gallbladder out, you show up at the hospital, you get a couple of uh, ports put in your belly, you walk out with four band-aids two hours later and you're in the line at Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's changed because of technology. Well, when technology is available, then you just have to give people the opportunity to use that technology. So around the country, here in Florida, um, up at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, um, out at uh, California, um, it's amazing. Texas Children's Hospital and Mayo Clinic, centers around the country, are taking this technology and it's like a new toy. It's like, all right, I got this great new scope. I've got this great new camera. What can I fix with it? It's like if you go to Home Depot and you get a multi-tool, you come home and you start looking around the house. It's like, 
What can I fix with this multi-tool? Same thing with medicine and technology. What can I do with this? Well, it's amazing the advances, and all of these centers are now competing against each other. They're putting up videos. In fact, if you have a little bit of downtime, just go to YouTube and put in fetal surgery. They're all trying to outdo the other, show how their technology and, and their advancements are better than everybody else's, and they want to brag how they are treating the preborn as patients. So it's really pretty amazing. So a lot of it is technology driven, but we can really use these amazing videos and this amazing technology to prove that yes, these are patients, patients have rights, and as a believer, we know that these patients were created in the image of God at that moment of conception and at its core value and at its foundation, abortion basically is an attack against the image of God. Now you're talking about some competition between children's hospitals in Cincinnati or Cleveland and Philadelphia over in Houston. I'm assuming this is a, uh, a friendly camaraderie, a uh, friendly competition that goes on. Oh, absolutely. Doctor. They're sharing their technology, but you still want to be a little bit better than your competition. Just like, you know, when you're, you know, having a radio show, you want to share your information and you want the information to get out there. So, but friendly competition improves quality. I mean, look at the automobile industry. Sure. I mean, look at what a car was 20 years ago. Somebody comes up with an airbag. Everybody else wants to get a safety airbag. How about, you know, uh, non-skid brakes? Well, everybody's going to do it. So when one group can improve a technology, everybody else benefits from that. And who benefits? The consumer. So we are helping the consumer, which is our patients, benefit by everybody having a little bit of healthy competition and uh, and just advancing the care. Our guest is Dr. Bill Lyle. He's the pro-life doctor. We're going to come back in segment two, talk about some more stories about uh, what's going on in the exciting world of very little babies, Augustine. And uh, we're going to ask Doctor how he got started in all of this here. This is The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. Hi again, everybody. We're back in the studios with Augustine Payne for the chatter. On uh, we're here Monday. It's it's Holy Week. It's Monday, Holy Monday. That's what's called, right? Yeah. Holy Tuesday, Holy yeah. Thursday, Holy Monday, April third, and we're uh, getting all excited, ramped up for Friday, the twenty-first of April, which which your yeah, your big fundraiser. Yeah. And it's free to attend. I forgot to mention that in the first one. So How I'm could on, you forget that? I know, right? It's I the most the, important uh, thing. Got the invite here. <laughs> Besides our, our, our main speaker, it's the most important thing. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else we should know new at, at Dubuque County Right to Life? Tell, talk more about those training programs you've been working on. Yeah, with the Equip for Life course. Yeah, those ones. Yeah. So we just went through our first uh, round of the Equip for Life course, which is um, Equal Rights Institute put together. Mm-hmm. And so we were just doing a presentation that was a mix of me talking and some of the videos they put out. And I thought it went really well. Our The people that attended had great, great feedback. They just said there's a lot to think about, a lot to process here. and never thought it was so complex. And um, I think they're feeling more confident about having conversations with people. Sure. But they also want to go through it again. So some role-playing going on yeah. and education. And- 
Yeah, so they want to go through it again to get even more comfortable with it wow. um, because I think they see mm-hmm. the, the the fruit that can come from it if we're able to make a strong case for the for the preborn, um, mm-hmm. advocating for their rights at the same time, arguing on the grounds that the pro-choice slogans are based. Right, so we're 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 showing the falsehoods of the of the pro-choice slogans by arguing as if they're true. We're testing them to see my if my body, they, my choice stuff. That exactly. Kind of thing. So we're going to test it to see if, if women ha- actually have the right to do whatever they want with their body. Um, right. And so multi- going through several different examples of that is what the course does. And so um, I think it's, it, I think it's, it'll be effective and I'm looking forward to putting it to use. We gotta we gotta hit this point again. Art Galoon was in the studio what a month six weeks ago with you and Colleen, and um, we made the statement about Dubuque County right to life being the safe haven for for people that that want to bring their child into the world. We got a call from a young woman says, "I heard that was going on. Is that true?" And of course the answer is, "Yeah, it is true." Talk more. Give us thirty seconds on. A young woman or a young couple, they're confused, scared. What can they do at Dubuque County, County Right to Life? Yeah, so as far as like the resources that are yeah, available? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the things that we want to do right now, and um, let me know if it's not answering the question, but we want to make people aware of the resources that do exist. So like the work of Clarity Clinic, Mary's Inn, right. Birthright. Um, but then there's some things that people have needs that don't fall within that And those area. would be like what? Yeah, so an example of that would be like a grandma who came into our, or contacted our office because her, she was inheriting her grandkids overnight type idea. And really? she didn't have any clothes, but it's also, she's not pregnant. So it's not, doesn't necessarily fall in the, what the pregnancy resource centers mm-hmm. would typically serve. But she still needs help. She still needs help raising the kids that are, um, Two different kid, two two kids, um, and so we contacted our, some of our members. Say, hey, does anyone have re- resources available? And people would drop off resources, and we connected with the mother. So resources, diapers, clothes, food, exactly. beds, mattresses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So because she, yeah, they're getting clothes that were a few sizes too big, just so that way they grow into them, which is understandable from somebody who's in need. Not just for infants. No, yeah, this was yeah, this was toddlers and even young children. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, I think Dubuque is a great example of all the many resources that are available for people with help. That's Augustine Payne, the executive director of Dubuque County Right to Life. Give us that phone number again, Augustine. Yes, that's five six three five five six five nine six zero. And make your reservations for the life dinner Friday. April 21st, when you will hear this man, Dr. Bill Lyle, who's the pro-life doctor uh, down in Pensacola, although, what are you down there, 40 days a year? The rest of the year, you're on the road, doctor. (laughs) Well, we take all of our free time, and we've dedicated it towards defending the pre-born. Start at the beginning. How did you get started, and how did you become known as the pro-life doctor? Well, it really started during medical school as far as having an interest in obstetrics and gynecology. And I think I was 
fascinated by the technology, but also it was the only time people were excited and happy to go to the hospital. They were going to go to the hospital and they were going to have their baby. And so happiness is always a joyful thing to be involved in in medicine. So I had an attraction to obstetrics and gynecology and did my residency at the University of Florida. And when we were looking at where are we going to set up a practice, where do we want to live for the rest of our career, there was a practice that we were interested in and attracted to in Pensacola, Florida. Mm -hmm. And what was absolutely amazing was it was actually the largest abortion clinic in the uh, panhandle of Florida. So we negotiated with the oh, Wait a minute, physician. wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're a pro-life doctor and you're buying an abortion clinic. Absolutely, you know, and uh, you don't telegraph your, your punches when you're a good boxer, so we didn't telegraph our punches. So we took over the practice and we had him sign a, re a restrictive covenant where he couldn't practice any medicine in our tri-county area. And on day one, we met with the staff and they were expecting us to continue with business as usual, but we stopped all abortions on day one. We told the staff they're welcome to stay, but if they refer anybody to another location for an abortion, their, their employment will be terminated that day. And the former uh, physician had no clue we were going to do that. And so we actually went for years. And even right now in 2023, we do not have any abortion provider here in the panhandle of Florida. And that really started when we took over that practice. What was the so, reaction of the staff when you told them, we're not doing abortions today? Yesterday you did, but today you're not. And if you refer a patient, a mom, to another abortion facility, you're out of here. What? What? T talk about that. Um, I don't think that they were disappointed. I think that even though it was going to be a change, they weren't protesting. I think that anybody who is involved in the abortion industry really will look and and they know in their heart this is not a positive thing. We are not bringing life into the world. We are taking life, and any abortion worker. I mean, how can you have joy where all you're doing is taking life, dealing with blood, and, you know, you have half as many people leaving the office every day as you had walking in. I mean, there's no joy in abortion. The joy comes from life. And so we had none of the staff that, uh, that left. They stayed for years, and it was a change, but it was a change for good. Really? And, they, and so most of the staff stayed? Yeah, we Are they... called all of the staff stayed, and uh -huh. a lot of them stayed for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So it was a change, but, you know, it's like you don't realize how depressing and sad something is until you're out of that situation. It's kind of like somebody who's in an abusive relationship, mm -hmm. and they don't realize how ugly and sad and depressing that abusive relationship was until they finally get out of that abusive relationship and like oh my goodness life does have joy still i can still be happy and i really think that's the way they felt i mean can you imagine cleaning up after a full day in the in the surgical suite and just disposing of all of the post-abortive you know accoutrements i mean there's no joy in that i can't imagine all right, we started the story. You're, uh, you're coming out of residency, and you're talking plural. We're going to buy this abortion clinic, but I think you're talking about your partner, your wife. Well, yes? This, 
Yes, I mean Leslie. Uh, I did. I did have a business partner. He thought it was a good business opportunity, um, so he was a partner. But my faithful partner through all of this has been my wife. Of in September, it'll be thirty years. So congratulations. You know, we, Thank you. We homeschooled our daughters, and that was her full-time job. And then they both got full-ride scholarships to the University of Florida, and they're out of the house. One of them's married. So this is a new phase of life for my wife and I. And so we are partners on this ministry. She handles a lot of the things that I can't handle. And she's just, it's its challenging. When you travel 50 nights a year on the road, out of state, and you have a big event and you get back to your hotel room, you didn't eat any dinner, it's lonely. Mm-hmm. So it's just a partnership that we both treasure. And uh, it is, you know, what really, you know, has been the, the key thing that has kept our marriage healthy and sound, not just because we're saving lives, but we know we are both called by God to do this. We are, when I'm at an event, I know that at that event, this is exactly the place that God wants me to be at that minute in time, at that exactly latitude and longitude. And there's no happier place than we are right where God wants you to be, and you're in the center of His will. That is just pure joy. Doing the will of God the Father, the divine will, that's that's got to be a rare opportunity and a real treat for you. You mentioned this is on or about circa 1999. That's just about 25 years ago, Doctor. Go, what Do you, do you see the uh, career in, in phases or segments uh, from 99 through the early 2000s? What, uh, what, what's the chronology like in your practice? Well, the chronology, I'm still practicing full-time. I still do obstetrics, and I still do gynecology, still do surgery, um, but we have a real priority. The obstetrics and gynecology is a means to us really fulfilling our mission. At some point when we can step away from the practice, I would love nothing more than to share the message of forgiveness and teach how to defend God's preborn. Uh, I know that's where God is leading us. It's just a matter of when. And uh, when we have the planning and, and God provides the support, we'll do this full time. For now, it's a part time thing where we will speak at 50 state, 50 uh, events out of state. I mean, in one week before, we have started off in Gainesville, gone to Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. then to Honolulu, then Liberty University, and then back down to Pensacola. So we can cover six time zones sometimes in just <laughs> several days. But that's exactly what God wants us to do. And uh, we are now, you know, blessed to be able to speak at pregnancy centers across the country, but also churches, meet with legislatures and even seminaries and Christian colleges. Because, yes, it's great to have physicians that are involved in pro-life. In fact, there are 7,000 members of an organization called the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So it's great to have the doctors involved. It's great to have legislatures. It's great to have governors and senators and and congressmen that are involved in pro-life. But this fight should really be led, since it is a spiritual battle, it should be led by our pastors. Um, we were speaking at a pastor conference with about, oh, 80 different pastors, mm-hmm. and they all had to be a pastor of at least a congregation of over 500. And sure. that was kind of the, the qualifier. 
And then we did a brief poll and we found that only 3% of these pastors, priests, and rabbis, only 3% had had one lecture on how to discuss the issue of abortion from the pulpit. Well, if they haven't been taught how to, it's like if I were to ask you, and I don't know you well, but if I said, could you do me a favor and give me a lecture for 35 minutes on how to apply makeup? My guess is that you would say, I'd really rather do anything else because <laughs> you've never been taught how to do that. So we've realized that it's a, it's much better use of time and resources to go to seminaries and to go to uh, pastor pastoral conferences and teach these pastors how to discuss the issue of life. And, you know, rather than going, it's better for me to go to a pastoral conference with 50 than it is for me to go to 50 different churches. It's a better use of time. It's more efficient. Pretty pretty high impact. Can we hit the rewind button? I swear three or four minutes ago, Doctor, you you said I'd, I'd rather go around, I'm paraphrasing, I'd rather go around talking about uh, life. But did you say, I'd like to to talk or preach sure. about forgiveness? Oh, absolutely. What do you mean by you know, that? When there was a, a recent survey conducted by Lifeway as far as looking at the men and the women that are members of different churches mm-hmm. and different denominations, and between, depending on the denomination, it was between 18 and 24% of the men and the women in these congregations had personally been involved in an abortion. This is not an issue outside of the church. I was speaking at a men's conference and we were talking about, is abortion a sin? Yes. But is it a sin that can be covered by the blood of Christ? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know. And he came up afterwards and he said, he said, Dr. Lyle, he says, can I just have a minute? He says, you showed a picture of the stairs that went up to the surgical suite of your, uh, the practice that you took over when it was an abortion clinic. I said, mm-hmm. yes, sir. He said, I know those stairs. He said, three years before you took over that practice, my daughter was a senior in high school. And she came to me. She'd already been accepted to the University of Alabama. She came to me and she said, Daddy, I'm pregnant. And he said, I didn't know about pregnancy resource centers. I had never heard a message about this. He said, well, what do you want to do? And she goes, Daddy, I just don't think that I can go to the University of Alabama with a baby. He said, so what do you want to do? And she goes, I think I have to have an abortion. He said, Dr. Lau, I took my daughter to your office before you took it over. He said, we didn't have credit cards back then. He said, but she was under 18. He says, I signed the consent. He says, I wrote them out a check and I handed it over. He says, we went into a room. They did a real quick ultrasound. I could see a circle that was black with a little bit of white movement inside. And he says, I saw my daughter go up those stairs carrying my first grandchild. He said she was up there for about 20 minutes and she came down a totally different person. And he says, I've regretted that. And it's always been something that has been on my heart and my mind. He says, you know, not only was that my first grandchild, he says, but to this day, that was my only grandchild. And it has haunted me. He said, why did I have to come to church tonight and for the first time ever hear a message from a gynecologist that yes, abortion is wrong and taking the life of a baby in the womb is wrong and it is a sin. But the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to forgive that. And he said, I'm a saved man. He says, I love Jesus. He said, but I never felt that I could tell anybody or 
any or even God that I'm sorry about that. He says it has haunted. He says it has sat in the way he described. He says this has sat in my heart like a hot charcoal piece of white charcoal just burning at my heart. He said for the first time I was able to just silently pray to God and say, God, I I, I was wrong. I screwed up. I made the right choice. He says now I feel that forgiveness. He said, why did it take me 25 years at that time to be able to finally go before God? And that's the message. It is a message of forgiveness and redemption. And, you know, this is a spiritual battle. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that's why God sent his son. He lived mm-hmm. a perfect life. He gave his life for us. And Satan thought he was victorious. Jesus was dead. Jesus was in the grave. But now we're coming up to the point where we remember in history that 2,000 years ago, yes, Jesus was dead. He was in the grave. But miraculously, he conquered death. He rose again. And he is there, you know, up in heaven. And it is through him that we can experience salvation. So can we win this battle for life? Absolutely. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, Satan thought he won, and he hmm. was defeated three days later. And now, can we win this battle for life? Well, who would have thought that after 49 years, we would have had Roe versus Wade overturned? Not in now my lifetime. State, I know. Now we have state after state after state, which is taking a stand and defending the preborn. So can we win? Yes, we won 2,000 years ago, and we have the ability to win this now. But we have to engage. We have to realize that this is need to be led by our pastors and our priests and our rabbis. And we have to all think that other than sharing the message of the gospel, I can't think of anything that we should be more engaged in than in defending the lives of God's preborn in the womb. You got that right. You're listening to Dr. Bill Lyle. In case you haven't figured out, he is the pro-life doctor. Augustine Payne from Dubuque County Right to Life is in the house, and you're listening to the chatter. We'll be back with segment three. We're going to ask Doctor about the abortion pill reversals. You heard me right. In the morning after pills, and uh, we're going to talk more about the forgiveness. What a, what a week. It's Holy Week, Augustine. And we're talking about the saving grace of Christ our Lord on the chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. This is the chatter live on FM 98.3 KCRD and the KCRD mobile app. And uh, we need to. Augustine, did you know? We've got a new sponsor over on Holiday Drive, Hotworks. Nice. Melissa's over there. Melissa, I want to call her Melissa Hager. It's, it's yeah. Noel. I, I it's Melissa Noel. Bob and Melissa okay, Noel. Yeah. Old habits are hard to break, but right. <laughs> uh, Melissa's over there, Hotworks, 2055 Holiday Drive, Suite 510. You can't miss them over there, and they're doing a marvelous job with all kinds of fitness items and... and uh, we do thank them for their support, and, and uh, you should mention the chatter when you go over and say, just pop in and say hello. They've been very busy. Speaking of busy, what uh, what else do you want to say about Friday the 21st of, of uh, April? We still got tickets left? Yeah, still got spots left. Um, I mean, they're free. Exactly. <laughs> What's on the menu? Uh, what is on the menu? It's a roast beef, but to be exact, I don't know like the fancy name that they gave it. But it's a roast. Is beef. it French beef or, or 
German yeah. beef is a pot roast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a glorified name for a pot roast. The <laughs> only way to find out is come down Friday, April twenty first, and see all of the uh, all of the folks, all the staff. Yeah. Have you ever seen? You've been there what two years now? Year and a half. This is my second life dinner. Excited so. For it. Have you ever met? Did you when you applied for the job and you came from where? Over east, Chicago. Chicago, area? yeah. Did you ever think you'd meet such nice people at Dubuque County Right to Life? No, no. We've been very blessed and surprised. My wife and I both have been very blessed and surprised about how many great people we've met in the organization in Dubuque County in the tri-state area. People are just really nice out here. Scenery's gorgeous, and they love babies. Yeah, and they real love little babies. ones, toddlers, yeah, grade schoolers. So a lot around. of fans for Max. Yeah. Well, what's not to like about Max? Give us the phone number for tickets. Yeah, 563-556-5960, or you can go to our website at dcrtl.org. You can register on our homepage. That's Augustine Payne, Dubuque County Right to Life, and the big fundraiser on Friday the 21st. And we've got the pro-life doctor who will be the featured speaker on Friday the 21st, and... um, you are on a roll, Doctor Doctor Bill Lyle. You were talking about a uh, a dad who became a granddad who didn't become a granddad. Uh, what what a story that you were telling, and it made me think, Doctor, that not only are children victimized when they're killed, and mothers. You you said something that he looked this this father looked at his daughter coming down the stairs, the stairwell, the very stairwell of the building that you bought to eliminate abortion, but he was there before you bought the building. You said he looked at his daughter and he he said, my daughter was a changed person. What, what did he mean by that? Oh, he saw his little girl go up and upstairs and he can only imagine what it was like with her as a 17 year old girl, you know, newly pregnant to see a surgical suite with an operating table to see the big bright lights all these stainless steel instruments and a big abortion machine to be given a little bit of medicine in her IV, facing all this scary situation alone and that's trauma you know we hear about post-traumatic stress well having an abortion applies you know and includes uh post-traumatic stress and he saw this little girl go up those stairs, go through that event, and he just said she was forever a different young lady. And the only thing forever, that, forever that wasn't just forever. temporary that day. Yeah, and uh, it was just a different person. And uh, so, but is abortion wrong? Absolutely. But is it a, a forgivable sin? Absolutely. There's nothing that we have done that can't be forgiven. I'll have patients that'll come up to me or even at like some an event like ours with Dubuque County Right to Life and they'll come up and there's been a call to service and to assist in this ministry and I'll have ladies come up to me and sometimes even guys come up to me and they'll say man I love to talk I'd love to get involved and they kind of look left look right and they said but but I can't it's like why can't you well I had an abortion it's like oh my gosh you understand the pressure. You understand the anxiety. You understand the trauma better than anybody else. You are so well equipped to help these young ladies and these young men to make decisions mm-hmm. that are the right decisions. That if this is where God is calling you to be to serve His kingdom, you need to because you are better equipped and prepared and understand the stresses that these young ladies are going on better than anybody else. Wow. How. 
does abortion affect dads and sons and grandpas? Everybody wants to think this is the woman's right to choose. Augustine, you talk about that all the time. Doctor, how, how is it affecting men? Well, guys don't even get the opportunity to give an input, let alone to be involved in the choice. Um, the baby is just as much theirs as it is the mom. Half of the genetics came from them, and they don't seem to have a say in the destiny of this baby. And they feel helpless, and they just don't have a voice. And it can be traumatic for them as well. Every abortion involves a guy. And we are better understanding the trauma that men can go through with this loss. And pregnancy centers are realizing how important it is that the dad see the ultrasound and understand what is going on wow. and this blessing that is inside because dads can once the dad understands the blessing that that they have been given they are very influential in mom in keeping that baby so are you so saying are you saying dads and husbands and boyfriends are suffering post traumatic stress syndrome Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've gone through trauma. Um, they know that it was a life on the inside. And especially when they come into a pregnancy center, we want to have a big screen. We want to show that life on the inside. We want to have the ultrasound, not only see the heart beating, but we also want them to hear. I mean, p young people now are so enamored with quality audio. You see them walking around with their beats by Dr. Dre and right, they understand. Right. So pregnancy centers not only have a big screen, not just a little screen on the on the ultrasound machine, but put some high quality micro um, speakers up on the wall because you don't want to just hear that little tinny thump 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 thump. You want to feel that. You want to feel Are you bump, doing that, bump, Augustine? Bump, you got bump. the big uh speakers over at Dubuque County right to life? <laughs> no. We leave that work to Clarity Clinic and Birthright. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Doctor, we've got about we've got about 10 minutes left. That's how fast sure. we're going through this episode and we haven't gotten to two items that I think are um, are big. Because you you have when we were setting this show up a couple 3 weeks ago, you said uh, I've got I wrote it down. Is this right? A 54% reversal rate for the abortion pill reversal. Is that correct? Well, 54% is the percentage of abortions in the United States that are performed with the abortion pill. Our wow. success rate, yeah, our, and in Florida, the best stats we have is that it's 57% of all of the abortions. So we've really shifted from surgical abortion to the abortion pill. And the abortion pill is 98% of the time effective in killing the baby up to 10 weeks gestation. And as long as we're talking about the abortion pill, let's compare it to the morning after pill. There's They're a difference. Evil. There's a difference? Big difference. The morning after pill is indicated for the morning after a woman has had intercourse, where if she possibly got pregnant that night, it will force her to have a menstrual cycle, and she will pass that very early pregnancy before it has a chance to implant. It's still evil. There was a pregnancy. If a pregnancy happens, it causes it to pass. How is that different from the abortion pill? Well, rather than being the morning after, the abortion pill is indicated for 70 mornings after. It's indicated for up to 10 weeks gestation. How does it work? 
it works by blocking a very important hormone called progesterone. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to learn what a big word means, break it down to little pieces, progesterone. This is a progestational steroid hormone. This is the hormone that the woman's body, you know, releases when she becomes pregnant that keeps the pregnancy going. It's going to make sure the uterus relaxes, increases blood supply. She's not going to have a menstrual cycle. It's the conductor. It's the coach of the pregnancy that keeps the pregnancy going. Mm -hmm. How does the abortion pill work? The abortion pill blocks the effect of progesterone. So the woman's body is celebrating with progesterone saying, hallelujah, we're pregnant. We're going to support this pregnancy. And then all of a sudden the volume gets turned down and we and the body no longer knows that there is a pregnancy going on. So all that support goes away. And then the next day the woman takes some medication to cause her to have contractions. The medication that they use is called Cytotec to cause contractions. If I'm inducing somebody at term, I give them 25 micrograms of this medication. For an abortion, it's 800 micrograms. But just like if somebody makes a bad decision and overdoses on a narcotic like fentanyl and they're no longer breathing, they regret that. They would love to be breathing. Mm -hmm. we, can we reverse that? Sure. We have a medication called Narcan, which safely reverses the effect of the narcotic. When a woman takes the abortion pill and has not taken the second pill, the contraction medication, and she has regrets, we do have the antidote for the abortion pill. In fact, the antidote is a medication that we use in regular obstetrics all the time because it relaxes the uterus and keeps the pregnancy going. So if a woman is pregnant with triplets or quadruplets, the standard of care is to take this medicine called progesterone. If a woman had a miscarriage and then, you know, got pregnant and had another miscarriage, the standard of care is to give her progesterone to keep the pregnancy going. Mm. If a woman has in vitro fertilization and embryos are transferred and the body wasn't expecting these babies to be there, the standard of care is to give them progesterone. So we give these women who regret the decision they made to take the abortion pill, we give them progesterone. We have had over 4,000 successful reversals, healthy moms, healthy babies. We have a network of over 500 doctors that we have trained from coast to coast. I have attempted reversals on 17 of my patients who presented to our office. We've been successful 13 out of those 17 times. Wow. I mean, I've delivered triplets and I've delivered quadruplets and I've delivered 4,000 babies. But who, who are some of the pregnancies that I have the most joy and fond memories of? The ones where the baby actually had a 98% chance of dying, yet we invest $109 worth of progesterone and we can use that antidote and we can save the life of that baby. We buy back the life of that baby and that is perfect for this week because what was the status of all of us? All of us mm -hmm. were going to be separated from God and we had failed and we had missed the mark and missed the standard. Yet God sent his son, lived a perfect life, and he offered his life, he conquered death, and he rose again. We are redeemed. We're redeemed through the blood of Christ. What does redeemed mean? It means to buy back. So when a woman has made a bad decision, this baby is now facing a 98% chance of dying, of eternal separation from life. So when we invest $109, we are buying back the life of that baby, and we are successful 70% of the time. So if you look at 
if somebody is in business out there, they're always talking about ROI, which is a right. return on investment. So how does that sound for return on investment? Somebody is taking the abortion pill. They have a 98% chance of that baby dying, yet we invest $109 worth of the antidote, which is Prometrium, and we can save the life of that baby 70% of the time. I think that is a good ROI on that $109. So for our patients, the ones that I treat, my wife and I always pick up that fee because number one, a lot of times they've already spent their cash on the abortion pill. Number two, they often don't have insurance and we don't want there to be any delay at all in then obtaining the antidote. So my wife and I have accounts where we can provide and pay for that. And wow. that brings me joy. But that is the perfect message on what it means to be redeemed and equating that with Resurrection Sunday, which is this Sunday and this weekend. Wow, that is that is powerful. Uh, doctor, you're coming up on Friday the 21st of April to Dubuque in Augusta. And you said that earlier before the dinner and everything opens up, doctor is going to be... Are you? Is this what you're talking about, doctor, earlier for the medical staff professionals oh absolutely you know what are you going to talk about one well a, a lot of physicians are just not up to date on the way we are treating the babies in the womb as patients so we're going to give a quick overview of everything from blood transfusions open heart surgery spina bifida corrective surgery and laser surgery so, to so who's going to be invited who should because we're we're going to air this who would be the target audience are we talking doc uh, nurses lpns anybody who can prescribe the abortion the abortion pill antidote so that would be a nurse practitioner um, a physician's assistant or a physician and they do not have to be uh, trained in obstetrics and gynecology i have an orthopedic surgeon whose wife is a OBGYN, and she usually does the reversals in their city well, she was out of the country on a meeting, and this orthopedic surgeon called me. He says, listen, my wife usually does this. He says, I'm an orthopod. He says, hammers, saws, nails, screws. He goes, that's my life. Can you walk me through this? I said, absolutely. We'll walk you through this, and we did. So anybody who can prescribe medication can prescribe the antidote for the abortion pill, and we have training. We have protocols. So we're talking general practitioners. We're talking about anybody. orthopedic surgeons, anybody that has a investment you in life. Correct. You know, even the psychiatrists, I mean, they can work them through the emotional trauma that they've been through, but they can start them on the road to recovery. Most pregnancy resource centers will be able to assist as far as providing the ultrasound and the follow-up. The real key is that we know we are 70% effective in saving the life of a baby if we initiate the reversal medication within the first 72 hours. So time is of the essence. The other thing that's of the essence is education. We need to let our pastors, our youth pastors, our teachers know that this is even a possibility. I, I so, came from the so restaurant industry. Good, good, good point, Doc. Are we... Should we be inviting priests and rabbis and pastors Absolutely. and high school uh, uh, <laughs> staff, principals? I mean, should we have oh, more than the medical community, the, the educational and the religious communities? In, in uh, What time does it start, Augustine? 4.30. 4.30 on Friday the 21st. So, so Doctor, you're, you're, you're open to having all these various 
professions there. Oh, absolutely, because knowledge is what we need. It's I came from the restaurant industry, and say you had veal scallopini, that was your special, but nobody put it up on the board when you walked into the mm -hmm. restaurant. Well, nobody's going to order veal scallopini, even though that's in the back, unless they knew that it was available. Well, nobody is going to make the mistake of taking the abortion pill and then pursue abortion pill reversal unless they know it's even a possibility. So we need to put it on everybody's menu. And this is safe for the moms, safe for the babies. It's the abortion pill that's dangerous for the moms and the dangerous for the babies. The reason it's dangerous for the moms is because the number one cause of death that is pregnancy related in the first trimester of pregnancy is still a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. And when the abortion pill is now available mail order, women are not getting ultrasounds. They are told they're going to have bleeding, cramping, and pain from the abortion pill. But now 1% of the time, bleeding, cramping, and pain will be from a rupturing ectopic pregnancy, which can kill a woman. Wow. Doctor, we're out of time. This has gone just flown by. And, um, we can't wait to see you Friday the 21st of April in uh, in Dubuque down at the Grand River Center. Give us the number again for tickets. Yeah, so call us at 563-556-5960, or you can reserve your spot online at dcrtl.org. And Dr. Lyle, if someone wants to get a hold of you directly, a physician or any of the professions we just outlined, how do they get a hold of you? Real easy. We've got a real easy website, which is prolifedoc.org. You can contact us through that website. And we have a, have a training DVD that's an hour and 20 minutes long, which goes into a lot more detail than I had on this show. And it goes into a lot more detail than I'll be able to go into um, even at the event. All right. We're out of time, Doctor. What a show. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You're, you're listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD and The Chatter Podcast. We'll see you all next week. We love you.